0: This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin Felix and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, bro. You tweeted your running back nightmares. Explain yourself, boy. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. Who <laughs> jumped up? And- That's the awesome, Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson,
1: who spins and then tries
0: to bounce it. A stiff arm, on, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but up. I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name. One, Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone.
1: And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Zach Milne, on the touchdown.
0: That's Matt Broody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here.
1: And it's Field. Don't the carry? Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello! Come on, 51 yards!
0: Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get you know, my popcorn out, out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got to continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated right higher. Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies for her Street, and time will get to soon. And for that morning, an Austin awesome A. I'm Felix Clark. Good night, and good luck. Well, this is awkward. Um, <laughs> so, it's a... It's eight thirty-four Central Time here on Devi Debate, and uh, Moxley and myself were not expecting to be doing this show by ourselves. So uh, things have come crashing down in the background. I don't uh, don't exactly know what's going on here, but uh, love the new setup, Moxley. Uh, how you doing? I know that's Felix's favorite intro, too. There. How you doing tonight?
1: Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, you know, I got my I got my new setup behind me. I uh, got a new laptop, so I'm I'm feeling good. <laughs> feeling excited. We have a commenter saying our our intro is too long. You know, that's I enjoyed great. it. I thought it was really good.
0: I agree too. I, the music hits right. I love some of the the talks in there. Say I only count the episodes that Matt rant rants about Kyle McCord. So roughly 96 i disagree that's actually probably if you put all the times i've talked about comical we're probably over 100 episodes at this point so for being fair we might be getting punked rob i we have no idea what's going on but hey college football week. it's it's week 0 so we're going to have college football thankfully coming up this weekend moxley you have been doing the Morning shows, what you did yesterday, you'll be doing tomorrow's as well, talking about some of the best picks uh, for prize picks. I'm excited to jump more into that. We've got a full betting team that's dove deep into that bet to bet on C2C drop today talking about some of that stuff. So definitely check that out on the campus to can't feed all kinds of stuff since Felix isn't here. I think really the only news that's come out is Texas named a starter. So did Washington, I guess. So we can talk a little bit about that. We didn't get to get your opinions (laughs) on that. So I'm going to throw it to you. Everybody knows what Austin, Felix, and myself thought. We did an emergency pod. If you guys missed this, Quinn Ewers was announced a starter at Texas over Hudson Card. What are your thoughts now on that? Knowing, hey, we're going in. Probably see Hudson Card at some point this week or next weekend against ULM. But we do know that Ewers is now going to be the starter moving forward for the Longhorns.
1: Uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not that surprised if I'm being honest. I, I think that there was a reason to be a little bit concerned, but I mean, you have to look at the situation, not as critically and more just like abstract. Um, they brought Quinn Ewers in, imagine, imagine telling the boosters that you're not going to start him and you're going to roll with a guy that didn't win the job last year. Like I, I, I just found it hard to believe that that was never going to happen. Um. Cousin card took a couple reps with the ones that probably looked better. And, you know, that was the end, that was the end of it. And I never, I, someone was in my ear all weekend talking about it, but, uh, you yeah. know, I mean, it's not surprising, right? I mean, it's the same reason that Nico Imoleva is probably going to start his freshman year at Tennessee. Like you bring these big name guys in and there's big expectation on their shoulders from boosters from people who have, who have legit financial stake in these these kids, um NIL collectives, they're not supposed to be communicating with the coach, but they clearly are. So you're you're in a, a picky bind if you're not picking the guy who is very highly regarded.
0: It's it's interesting to me. I don't know that Nico will, and I, I I've kind of come around on that I thought for sure he would be the one going in. Him and Dante Moore, I feel like have probably the best shots at starting next year. But if you look at this year there's no real true freshmen that are fighting for any of these jobs. There's nobody. I mean, there's only one that I can even think of as even being talked about possibly getting playing time, and that's Cade Klubnick. And that's based on if DJU struggles and Clemson ends up turning to Cade Klubnick. Off the top of my head, I cannot think of any other true freshmen that are getting talked about actually getting playing time this year. So I wonder if that does continue over next year, even though, Nico is getting the bag. I mean, that's going to be really that first class that's getting NIL money before they come into school, so that'll be interesting to see how that works out. I'm actually kind of glad Felix is not here so we can talk about this rationally. Washington did name their starter yesterday. It is going to be Michael Penix. Um, You know, we've talked about this. I know Austin's mentioned it before. None of us are really concerned with who the quarterback was going to be, whether it was going to be um, Morris. Penix, Heward, because of the, I guess the trust we have in Deboer and what he can do with that offense. But do you think having Penix, a guy with that strong arm, is a good thing for
1: Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan? Um, I wasn't as passionate about who won. Um, you know, I didn't. It didn't really matter to me. I thought that they all have different skill set. Like, I think Heward has a pretty good arm as well. Like, I think Dylan Morris is fine. Like, all of them can run the DeBoer offense to a pretty good degree. I think all of them are fine fits. He obviously, he has a familiarity with DeBoer from his time when uh, he was at Indiana. There's obviously a connection there. If he can stay healthy, I think that it can be a really solid offense and I'm not going to be broken up. If you know, he is replaced halfway through the season by another quarterback. I think the office is probably going to be just fine. But, um, I, I just wonder how much upside there is in this offense, though. I I'm not as high on Jalen McMillan and Romo Dunze as some are, but this offense is probably a top 15 offense in neutral games for pass rate. And when you have that, it probably means fantasy success for somebody. I think it's probably one of the receivers. So yeah, I'm excited, but Michael Panic starting. Like, is that really that sexy? Not really. I, mean, I I agree with you. I'm, I'm very curious to see what he or how good he looks in this
0: system. He's only had like one decent season. If you can, you can't even say season. He's not played more than six games. And I know most of that was because of injury. So we can't assume that he's going to be injured this year. And we don't want to see anybody get injured. But I was listening actually to 24 seven sports daily, um, podcast today and i was going back and listening to episodes i missed because i was on vacation last week and they talked to a washington beat reporter and i found it very interesting that according to him he said there was no real separation between the three of them which is also not good for heward i'm a big heward believer but he talked about there was no real separation between the three of them and he felt like because penix knew the system is what kind of gave him the upper hand over the other two so I don't know that that also that speaks that well for Penix either. I mean, you would think him knowing the system, having this supposed like great skill set. I mean, it wasn't just Felix; there were other people talking about him just a year ago, possibly being a guy that was going to get first to second round draft capital. And the fact that he goes in there and beats out two guys that a lot of people think are bad, I think is very intriguing to me. I'm also kind of curious of what happens with Sam Heward now because. We I I don't dive as deep into the analytics as you guys do, but you guys have all said, like if a quarterback waits till their third year to start, that's not good. Predicting for future, NFL success, or really anything. I don't see the path to playing time, though, for Heward, unless Penix gets hurt. Because I don't know that they'll pull him. I feel like he'll be okay. Like, Washington doesn't. In my opinion, they play, I think, Michigan week. No, they played Michigan last year. They play somebody good early on. Like, outside that, I don't think they have a tough schedule. Excuse me. So I'd be very curious to see what happens with them if he does get in, because I almost feel like DeBoer just does not think Heward is a good quarterback. The fact that the minute he tra- he comes into Washington, he tries to bring Jake Haner with him. Jake Haner, for whatever it was, academics or whatever it was, doesn't come, and then immediately after he finds out he can't get Haner, he goes right to get Michael Penix. Like he never gave Morris or Heward a shot. I kind of feel like he's. I didn't. Maybe it was I didn't want to see it. I kind of feel like he's been telling us the whole time he just doesn't believe in those two quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. Um I I wish I had a different opinion because I, I like Heward coming in as well. I want to say he'll transfer, but I mean he's a legacy there. Um, a double legacy, whatever that, whatever you want to call that. Um, his whole family is like extremely intertwined with the Washington community. Brock Heward, obviously. Um, you know, his dad's his dad is the Pac 12 commentator for the Pac-12 network. They I don't I don't remember exactly. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah but i mean they're very um intertwined with the washington football program so i don't i wonder if he'll ever transfer um i think he should if he wants to play i don't know you know i thought he was a power five little quarterback i am surprised but it was evident by the time gobert got there that they were not interested in the guys that they had um was almost there like you said hanner was in the portal almost happened and then he pulled back and ended up staying at fresno but i mean he's been hunting for someone in the portal for a while. So he obviously wasn't satisfied with what he saw. And I mean, we saw Heward one game last year and he wasn't, he was a freshman. It was his first game. Yes. But like, he was really bad. like Really, really bad.
0: And, And I don't know how much of that is on Heward though. I mean, they had the whole Jimmy Lake experience going on, which was just bad in general. Washington was just a bad place to be from all reports last year. But if you go back and read all that stuff, they were all saying, like, "Heward looked good in practice. He looked better, and they just didn't want to go to him. And then to get just thrown out there in the rivalry game. And, and yeah, I mean, he had a couple moments, like a couple throws. Like, okay, I can see why he was a five-star, why he was so high up in his class. But, like, the rest of the game, it was just bad. And it honestly doesn't look like we're going to get to see much of that moving forward. No. Uh, so again, we weren't really, we're, we're completely running on this show with like no show prep because, uh, we had no, I don't even know if there was a show sheet done for the show. Just, you know, pe- peeling the curtain back a little bit here. So we're supposed to talk about players that we wish we were heavily invested in. Do you even have anyone? Cause I can buy some time for you, Moxley. If, if you don't
1: have anybody off the top of your head. We talked about it. There is not. Peel back the curtain a little bit more. There's not a show sheet. That's okay. We we uh we know what we're doing here. We're a professional, professional show. Um we're have- a show. Yeah, we're a show. Um they let us stream on YouTube. YouTube hasn't shut us down yet, so we thank them for that. I should do have a player. I, I really wish I had more Zach Evans. Um I faded him pretty hard. I think that he's a little bit of a knucklehead. Um, you know, he had incidents in, in high school. He was, I don't remember if he was kicked off the team officially. I believe he was. He had the issue with the cell phone. He had the argument with the coach. He committed in a really weird, late, like, drama process. I thought that was kind of bizarre. He was suspended at the beginning of last year. Like it, These are small things it, as a one-off event, but they add up over time. And so I kind of faded him a lot. And now I kind of regret it because I just think he's really good at football and once he enters the NFL, he's probably gonna mature to a uh quality player. And I would not be surprised if he was a second back selected next next year. I just think he's really, really good. And and if he can make it through the year without any big, you know, blow ups and you know, there is a level of maturity, I do think he goes probably in the second round. And I have zero exposure to him. And I wish I did.
0: Yeah, I, I actually like that call. I mean, I, I feel like he gets crapped on a lot because of the TCU thing, but I really feel like that was just because Patterson was about to get fired because of him, like, not going out and playing was very close to the same time. All of a sudden, there was all these rumors, and then Patterson was just gone. It feels like he really – I mean, he was trying to get Patterson – where was he trying to go? I want to say he was, like, trying to follow Patterson somewhere at one point. Then he ended up going to Ole Miss. So, like, I can understand a player saying, hey, I don't want to play anymore if you guys are just going to – fire my coach just like that. I mean it was mid season. We really mm-hmm. don't see, it's the college is not the NFL. You really don't see college coaches get fired mid season like that. So I feel like maybe that's why he did that and he gets kind of crapped on as as immature by a lot of people. So I actually do like that call. Mine, um I'm gonna go two freshmen off the top of my head. One is Andrew Paul. Um I know he's been Deemed Felix's guy, originally Austin's guy, then went to Felix's guy. Now I feel like he's nobody's guy because he tore his ACL, but I still think he's going to be good. I kind of faded him because I thought him going there with Branson Robinson, Robinson being the higher rated player in the class. I don't know that there's a massive difference between the two either when it comes to like full skill town. Like I think Paul is very good. I also think Branson Robinson has a higher ceiling personally, And with them both going to Georgia, I just felt like Branson Robinson was going to get the rock more and end up being the guy. So I completely faded Andrew. I have him absolutely nowhere. I do not regret not having any shares of Jordan Hudson. I may end up regretting that there, Colin. But uh, I I just don't think Jordan Hudson's an NFL player. I'm very intrigued with him, Sonny Dyke's offense, but I still believe in DJ Allen and I will stand true to that. If anybody's watched the show for a long time, you do know. I will stand by my guys until the bitter end. i will I will sit and wait and wait and wait until it happens. And when I do get those victories, it is absolutely beautiful. Another is Luther Burton. I love Luther Burton. He was my wide receiver one. I have him absolutely nowhere. Like I just it's kind of Tristan brought up Kyle McCord earlier. He was a player that I really wanted, but I wasn't willing—I to, guess—to pay up for him. Like when last year with Kyle McCord, I talked to him. I said he was going to beat CJ Stroud for that starting job. There are people taking him in like the eighth and ninth round of startups. I was like, I'm not going to take him that high. Just I'm not. There's other players that I'd rather have. I'm going to wait till like the tenth or eleventh round. He never fell, so I never got any Kyle McCord. Same thing with Luther Burden. Like as much as I loved him, there were just other players coming in around that time. I was like, I kind of want this guy. I kind of wish I had more Luther Burden, especially because. I'm now on record saying like, I think he's going to break the record at Missouri for receiving yards and he's going to have a massive season and him and <clears throat> excuse me, Evan Stewart. I think we're the only two wide receivers to make 24 seven sports, all freshman team and players yeah. that they believe will actually do something this year. So I'm, I'm
1: very intrigued to see what Luther burden does. That's a good call. I ended up with Dunn either. And I really like him as well. Um, and I'm someone who takes freshmen really early and he, I still just didn't end up with him. He was just going in a spot where I haven't just not be picking for the most part. I mean, he was, and I, the same thing for Nicholas Singleton. I wish I had a lot more Nicholas Singleton and it's the same thing. Like they go high and I think that's justified, but somehow I just kept missing out on them and I'm really bummed. Cause I think both of those players are extremely talented. I Do have a lot of Evan Stewart though, because people, you know, they don't like Texas a and So, I also have a lot of Chris Marshall and Connor Wegman this year.
0: Yeah, the Evan Stewart thing is is intriguing, to say the least. Speaking of uh, freshman wide receivers, I actually wanted to talk about this. I was talking to someone before the show. We are very high on Keon Grays. Me specifically, I know Austin's pretty high on him, too. I think most of the team is high on him. So I got some inside information that we may not want to be so high on, like, any of these freshmen. There's a shot most of these guys are year one zeros based on the information that I got. Oh, baby, do share, do share. Yeah, so according to all this, and we already know, we saw the reports. I, I talked about it on the fall camp reports. Julian Fleming has looked good. I don't know if you missed the, like, new amazing report where he apparently in the scrimmage, I believe it was on Saturday, he got hit and his shoulder popped out of place and he went back over caught yeah. a ball ran in for a touchdown and then popped it back in place. And then also caught another touchdown after that. So he's just beasting out there just in case
1: anybody wants to know, but Julian Julian Julia Fleming second, second coming, write it down. Yeah. Right. If you need, you need to have
0: him rostered everywhere. That's I believe that's an actual direct quote from Austin Nace roster. Julia I think he Fleming, said that. Yeah. Everywhere. Okay. I just wanted to double check. I thought it was him. Uh, so right. we already know JSN, Marvin Harrison. What's funny is I was reading a bunch of stuff. That a lot of this came out because I guess Brian Hartline had some interviews earlier today, and he was talking down Marvin Harrison Jr., which is interesting because people are correlating that to the fact if you go back last year, he was talking down JSN, saying don't expect that much from him. You know, he's still kind of blossoming into this role. He also did the same thing with Garrett Wilson as a freshman. So a lot of people are reading that into – This is definitely going to be Marvin Harrison's big blow-up season. We've kind of already been talking about that, so not a massive surprise there.
1: This is a, a, hey, you know, I don't expect anything.
0: Wink, wink. exactly, yeah, and then, like, here comes, like, 1,000 or 1,100 receiving yards and, like, seven touchdowns. So, yeah, it's going to be very intriguing for Marvin Harrison, Jr., what was interesting next is obviously we've talked a lot about Julian Fleming is going to be the uh, the starting other outside wide receiver and unless he gets injured or Mecca passes him. According to what I was told today, it's still Julian Fleming. Like him and Mecca are switching back and forth. What is intriguing though, brought this up before, I was shot down. I'm pretty sure I have him in our 24-team auction league and I got him for like $2.00. Jaden Ballard has been working not only in the slot, but at Z and X in this offense. They think Brian Hartline says that where he sees Jaden Ballard playing right now is where he imagined him being growth wise at the end of this season. He thinks he is the Devin Smith to the offense when they won the national championship. Now I don't know about that, But I've talked about it in the spring camps when he was getting a lot of hype. He is the fastest guy on the roster, and he brings a different dynamic that I think Julian Fleming is a very fast athlete as well. But Ballard is apparently faster, and I think he is going to be the deep threat for them. There are reports that – and I don't know necessarily if I want to believe this because I feel like I've said this every year, but Brian Hartline – says that he sees more of a switch between everybody but JSN this year that they have not had the past couple years because they had Olave and Garrett Wilson. So there was no real reason to switch those two guys out because of how great they were. We just saw them go in the first round of the NFL draft. This year, though, that's JSN. Everybody else is in a rotation, including Cameron Babb, which I'm not going to read too much into. He's also already dealing with an injury sucks because I think he has a lot of talent just can't get on the field. But that's where the freshmen came in because you would think, okay, if they're really going to be rotating these guys a lot, you would expect to see a, you know, a, I'm going to say the wrong one, Caleb Brown. I always say Caleb Webb for some reason. I don't know why, but he always gets stuck in my head. Caleb Brown. Good player. Good play he is Tennessee. a good player. Yeah, Tennessee, not Ohio State, who was actually the first freshman to lose his black stripe. For those of you who don't know, if you don't follow the Buckeyes, the black stripe means when you lose that on your helmet, it means you're officially a Buckeye. Is how they kind of, like, clarify it. It's a that is position, so- Moxley. Don't knock it.
1: That's so corny, man. Yeah, it's not.
0: And Colin, I see your question. We'll get to that in just a second. Since we're already talking about Ohio State, what I did find interesting though is that they said do not expect practically anything from Gray's, Webb, Burton, or Antwi. They're just not there yet. They all have a lot of growth to do before they get on the field. That does surprise me because I I thought at least Gray's was good enough to get on the field. We know, again, it's still fairly early in the theory that you and Austin have put together for the year one zero. but, like, it's kind of been proven out. Like, if these guys don't cross that, like, we kind of just want to fade all of them,
1: don't we? Yes, um, and I would be surprised if we think Grace specifically is as good as we think he is that he doesn't see some garbage time production to get him over that threshold because a lot of what a lot of coaches do this um to keep players happy as uh underclassmen when they're not seeing uh you know significant snap shares they get them out and go there in garbage time make them look good maybe catch a touchdown maybe a couple big passes and and whatnot um that's how Jameson williams wasn't a zero at ohio state by the way like you think of Jameson williams as a guy who stuck by the step chart he wasn't a zero uh, in in their traditional sense, he hit a couple metrics because he was being involved late in blowouts. I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of those guys ended up hitting, and I think Keon Gray's probably are most likely based on what we think about him, you know. But I do think they've brought in so much receiver talent over the last two classes, last yeah, really last two, last three classes, last five, seven. However, however back you want to yeah, go, so- I mean they're just bringing in ridiculous amount of talent. At some point, players are not going to play. James Williams was the first example, and I would not be surprised if we saw other dudes transfer out that became success stories el- elsewhere. You don't really see that often, but I do think the talented guys that work hard that we think are good, Keon Grace is someone who probably is not a zero because he'll be rewarded with blowout playing time. And that time counts a lot. People probably don't about, like value it as much as. Um, coaches do, but that getting in a game as a freshman, even in blowout is like a really big deal, especially on a team that is stacked at the position. So those are things to really pay attention to. Who is getting the first crack when the game is 45 to 10? Those things actually matter.
0: Yeah, I mean, we saw that with uh, with Lorenzo Styles toward the end of the year. Not necessarily in blowouts, but starting to get on the field more and more. And he's kind of become the guy that was a guy that Austin touted at the end of last year. Talked about him being a breakout this year. And then, lo and behold, had an amazing spring-fall camp. Looks to be the number one for the Irish. Uh, last thing on the Buckeyes, because it compares to another thing with Nick Saban, who obviously just got paid. Uh, let's Jimbo Fisher be the highest-paid coach in college for like two weeks and then comes in and is like, yeah, how about that? big dick swing and drops it on the table becomes the the highest paid coach in all of college football. You mentioned the recruiting class for the Buckeyes. Do you know how many top 5 recruiting classes they've had in like say the last 13 years? Top 5. Um four. No, a lot more than. That. 9. 11. 9. Oh, damn. 9 top But you know what's interesting about that? 9. They're this they're the closest to Bama. Ohio State is in the past I believe it's like the last 13 years was the stat. With nine top five recruiting classes in that same 13 year span, Nick Saban's had nine number one recruiting classes. That's why he's yeah. the best.
1: It's ridiculous. So his con- his contract's actually pretty interesting because it extends him for another eight years, I believe. That yes, that was the most surprising. Like when yeah. I saw it, I was like, okay, cool.
0: Like I figured he's going to get paid eight years. Do you think he really stayed? I don't want. I want him because we're watching the best of the best, but at the same time I'm like, bro, can someone we want to see
1: other people win? like can you please just like move it on down the road? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this as, as every year is almost like, okay, this is his three years, this is his three years, but an eight year commitment i don't I mean, I don't know if he lives out the life, not lives like literally I mean he's old, but he he he's not adult. Um, I don't know if he sees out the length of his contract as the coach at Alabama. Um but I do think that I think I do think it's really interesting. There's rumors that he had an escalator in his contract to make a million more than the highest paid coach period. but he yeah. signed like a brand new deal, which is really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, that I mean, I guess he might stick around that long. He loves doing what he does. I don't know if Miss Terry is gonna actually. Let him do it
0: though. Now, that's what really matters. There's two other there's yeah, two mystery, men who are also married. the boss. We, we understand who the real boss is. So to Colin's question, those of you on the podcasting audience, uh, if you did not see this today, or if you're not on Twitter, Matt Miller, who's fairly well known for like his inside in draft and, and has connections to a lot of NFL teams, sent out a tweet earlier today that said, Apparently, most teams view Jason as a fringe first round wide receiver. I don't really know what to think. It's actually one of the reasons why I kind of hoped Felix was going to be on the show today. We had, we've, we've, we've mentioned this many of times when we did our Debbie guide, we had like almost like a roundtable. you Have seen us do the ranking summits? Our crew came together. Our Debbie team came to de- together, which was Mike Valerie, Corey Pereira, Colin Decker, Austin Nace, Felix Sharp, and myself. We would sit around for, I kid you not hours upon hours every night and go over our rankings, discuss where our biggest issues were, and what was funny about the wide receiver one is we spent more time arguing and in all honesty about JSN and Keishon Boutte being what we consider tier zero wide receivers than practically any other thing. I kind of get what they're saying because I do think he could be limited the slot. I grew, I know Austin has said before he thinks he could play outside. And I do agree with that, but a fringe first round pick just like, I would understand if like we see him as maybe like a fringe top 10 or even top 15, but a fringe, you're telling me there's 32 players in this draft better than him. I just don't see that.
1: We, we just saw Jahan Dotson go top 20. Like he's a significantly better player in the same conference than Dotson is. Um, So his athleticism is what holds him back. Basically. He's not an elite athlete. He's a very good technician not an elite athlete um i don't think he has the top end speed that teams are looking for i think that's probably the biggest knock on his profile but he is such a good technician and he's had so much success in the slot that and i i I honestly think he translates outside as well but i would be really really surprised if he was not a top 10 pick top 15 pick at worst like this is a player who has dominated, truly dominated his teammates, who were both top, what did a lot of go? Eleven? Twelve? Eleven. Yeah. They were they were top, both at least. They're top, both, both top players. 11, 12 yeah. picks. He he way outproduced them last year. Um gradual bowl game, but would have done it anyway. He was ultra productive in the toughest division in Texas as an as a high schooler. Like, this dude has been productive no matter where he goes. At some point, like, you just say, okay, this dude, like, yes, he's not the elite athlete that Keyshawn Boutte is. Keyshawn Boute is probably more explosive. JSN's still really freaking good. He's still the second best receiver in this class. And, if, like, there isn't really a competition. He just produces no matter where he goes. Excellent elite technician. That's what he is. I I just think that report is, that report is either GMs or scouts like feeding misinformation or the sample is not very large. And it's like, no offense to like, two the Brown scouts and oh. the Jag scouts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Browns I, would tell I, you Tom Brady's still not that good. Trust me. I, I've, I've watched them draft. Well, you know, I'll take that back. Andrew berry has been decent the past couple years before that. Yes. They would tell you that,
1: Uh, you know, Tom Brady. Yeah, we're, we're having an Ohio state love fest, but I mean, like that, that just can't be true. Like I actually think, yeah. He's going to go top five, and I think he's going to go to Jacksonville to team up with Trevor Lawrence. I would hate that, just because I don't want to <laughs> say think, Trevor Lawrence. That's just what so I mocked uh, a couple months back, and I still think that could probably be true. It might. I, he's a good fit for Lawrence, I think. like He th- is. Oh, he is. I,
0: it's just because I've been on record saying I think Justin Fields is better and will be better, and I feel like giving Trevor Lawrence a, a, a weapon like JSN
1: just helps him probably end up being better than Fields. Yeah. I'd rather yeah, him he's, go to Chicago. He's not the same athlete as a Jamar Chase, for example. Um, yeah. Like his yeah, I saw that at. in the, in the, co- he, yeah. That's not if, who he, that's not who he is. And that's not how he wins yeah. either. If, if you
0: were going to compare someone to Chase, it would be, and I hate to helmet Scott, it would be Boutte. He He's the closer. Player. Yes. And and I think if you pay attention to any of us here, like we've all are, we not argued? We've all said we have, there's one person. And I get his reason on why he has JSN over Boutte, but everybody else has Boutte one over JSN because he can just do more on the field. We've already seen, there's practice stuff released of him earlier. It looks perfectly fine. He was battling a cornerback. He looked like he had his explosiveness back. So I'm excited to see him on the field. I will bring this back really quick. And then we're going to talk about storylines on the field. Colin, I see you said you'd bet your life savings that he goes in the top half of the first round. I will do you one better. I'll bring back the Emery Jones bet. If JSN does not go what's a fair number i don't want to say first round if jsn doesn't go in the top top 20 i will let austin kick me in the nuts live at the expo next year mox was writing it down it's now in the record books signed sealed and delivered it's really gonna hurt because austin was a very good soccer player he's very he's a massive human being I, I, Paula might like it, my wife, because you know, they're not to worry about kids anymore, because that might effectively castrate <laughs> me if we're being honest, but hey, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I can see that too, Coach Craig. Jason, I'm reminding you of Calvert, like he's a very as much he's a technician, and we argued about that re- I think it may have been on the wide receiver summer, like he's a Keenan Allen type technician, and we've yeah. seen now he's, he's almost the same size as Keenan Allen too, they're not that big a difference, so I think he's going to be fine when he gets to the NFL. I just mentioned Boutte. We've seen him back out on the practice. A really good storyline. It's something I know most people, especially in the C2C community, are paying attention to because we do value him as a top wide receiver. What are some of the storylines that you're looking forward to watching this season? I'll, I'll kick it off first, going back to the beginning of the show. For me, my top storyline is Quinn Ewers. Like, he's been realistically since probably his sophomore year in high school at South Lake Carroll been like considered this golden child, great prospect at quarterback coming in. I really want to see what he does with Texas. I don't expect him. I've, I've been on record saying, I think he takes him to the playoffs while he's at Texas and I will rock a mullet for a full football season. I will even bleach it to look just like Quinn, I think we're going to have to make Felix do this too because I saw the picture you you posted and it was classic it was golden I'm going to buy Felix a bleached mullet and he will have to wear it too if Quinn Ewers takes the team to the playoffs I don't think it's this year but I do think he has the talent I'm very intrigued to see what he does this season because I do think he can lead Texas to a winning record which I do think and a bowl game which I think would be a massive step forward not just for him but for the Texas program
1: yeah, I don't think it's this year either. I think it's I think it's next year. It's in two years that Texas goes to the playoff if they're going to do it. Um, their offensive line class last year was so freaking good. Like, yeah, and that, that's like that's how that, you build.
0: That's why I think that it could be next year because that I know they lost one yeah. of the older guys to injury, but that whole freshman class is supposed to be now starting or most of them. If they can kind of gel together and all those guys stay healthy next year, you could legitimately have one of the better offensive lines in college. You'll have Xavier Worthy going into his final season. Hopefully, Nayor back healthy. You got Jade on blue, Jonathan Brooks. You got Cedric Baxter coming in at running back. So, they're going to be loaded everywhere. You got Jatavius Sanders coming on at tight end. Loaded everywhere. Quinn, you were second year in the system and possibly a top-five offensive line. Like, that's your year. Last year before you go to the SEC that's your chance to do something. I think that could be the, all I'm asking, I just want him to go to the playoffs. I'm not saying he's going to win a national championship playoffs. You will see Bruning rocking a golden mullet for an entire football season.
1: Perfect. Paul will love that. So, uh, you know what? Maybe- She's
0: actually been on board with it. We already talked to my barber about it and he's rooting for it as well. He knows nothing about football. He doesn't even know who Quinn Ewers is, but he's rooting for it. Cause he wants to see me rock a mullet.
1: Perfect. Yeah. So that's kind of in line with what I'm looking forward to as well. What I'm looking forward to is um, teams that are historic Blue Bloods rebounding this year. Texas is one of them. USC is another. Lincoln Rally and Caleb Williams, I mean, that's a hell of a duo. Miami is the other that I'm really interested in because Miami for the last 20 years has acted like a poverty university when coming to their athletic funding. They have, I mean, their stadium is 45 minutes away from campus. Um they recently released that they were going to build something, potentially build something two and a half miles from campus. That'll play. And it oh it's really nice too. So they're actually looking to spend. They have boosters. They have an NIL collective. Their NIL is among the best. There's a ton of money heading into that program right now. I want to see what their upside is. I think they're the top Three team in the ACC this year. I think Clemson's a little bit better than them. I think SC State's a little bit better than them, but they have a lot going for them right now, and they're another team who, within two, three years, they could be top five and contending for the playoffs, too. I think Ball is a great hire, bringing him back to Miami. I like that team, and I'm really curious to see what they can do. Not only this year, because I think this year they're going to surprise some people, but two, three years, I think they're building something really, really good. Now that they have an investment from the university in the athletic department to actually put money into their team and their program and staffing and hiring. This is a big thing. Hiring analysts is really tough for schools in major metropolitan areas because it's so expensive to keep them close. Los Angeles is one. They gave Lincoln rally basically a blank check to hire his analysts. Miami is another you have to pay a lot of money for these analysts to live close by so that they can effectively do their job. And they are seem committed to doing that with Cristobal, which is a big under-the-radar commitment, in my opinion, in terms of monetary value. And I'm really excited, because I think Miami might actually be back. I think they, they're on the upswing. They got crypto money, man. Oh, I, I agree with you. I,
0: I, I've said before, I think they could actually make it to the ACC championship this year. Like it, it's they're really, really just kind of Clemson. Cause I don't think any of us expected them to beat Texas A&M, but it doesn't matter if they lose them. It's an out of conference game. So if they go through, like, it's really just Clemson. And if they're able to beat them, like I think they could go on and have a really good season. What I also think is interesting about them. We've talked about it before was the fact that they hired like a guy for like a general manager type role like Vandy has as well. And we've seen both of those schools really kick it up in recruiting. I really think that's going to be the new wave of the future as well for college football. I want to go back to USC though, because you mentioned you think him and and him and Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley are a very dynamic duo, but I kind of think we're getting out over our skis here a little bit on USC. They got a nine and a half win total. Like, I don't even think they get eight wins. Like, I think I would very comfortably take the under. I I get that that offense will be able to score with practically anybody in the country with the wide receivers they have. Running back room's okay. I don't think that offensive line's that good, but incredible wide receivers. Obviously, you got Caleb Williams, but that defense is really, really bad. And if there's teams that are able to run on them and keep Caleb Williams off the field, a la if you, NFL what they used to do to Patrick Mahomes, what they tried to do to Tom Brady. Like, doesn't matter how fast or how much you can score if you can't get on the field.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't disagree. Um, so this will come out uh, probably later this week in a handful of days. We were asked to rank um, our top 25 teams how we think they're going to end the season. I have them 16th. Um. I think currently they're in the AP poll around like 12. I don't remember off the top of my head, but they're in, they're in the top 15-ish. There are legit questions about this team, and I I 100% agree with that. I think that the, the offensive line is okay. I don't think it's a top 25 unit, um, but the defense is not very good. And I think that the... Defensive line is gonna hold them back. And I think the secondary is just missing pieces like across the board. They did bring in one of my favorite players in Eric Gentry at linebacker. He was an Arizona State transfer, but there's a lot of question man. Like I, and I don't even think their schedule was that tough. Like they have a pretty easy schedule in the Pac 12. They're not gonna lose that many games. But man, like that deep they're gonna be in like 45 42 games. This year, probably a bunch.
0: So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we'll go down their schedule really quick because I do think there's a couple interesting games. I think Rice fairly easily we can say is a win, and Stanford. I think Fresno State might actually be able to beat them. Like I think that might be their first test with Jake Hayner. I mean, I hate to I, I, that College Fantasy Tonight show. If if Fresno State does oh, beat gosh. them, Felix will never like he'll he'll keep the show going until that game is over just to see if Jake Hayner wins. I do think that they probably are able to take care of Oregon state, Arizona state. What do you think about Washington state though? Like I, I I don't want to buy too much into cam Moore, but that's one of those offenses
1: that like, I think could possibly give them some trouble as well. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think they can keep up with them scoring. I actually think Washington state's defense isn't all that bad, but I just don't think they can stop. Um, USC this year. I'm actually more concerned about Oregon State, because that game's in Corvallis. Um, I love it. Chance Nolan, I, so like, Damian Martinez. I bet that the spread in that game is closer than the spread in the Washington State game, if I had to project it now. But I, I actually think they win their first six, lose to Utah, and use, lose to Notre Dame. Like I think, and possibly UCLA. I mean, this is a ninth yeah. team. Like I, I think. The schedule's just too easy. Yeah. The Pac-12 is just not a challenging division. I mean, they get... Arizona, who isn't quite back yet. They get Cal, Colorado. Like, I don't just don't know. I just don't see losses there. Even, their defense is terrible. But, I mean, I still think they're a 9-10 win team. And, I mean, if they're a 9-10 win team, they're probably going to go back to the uh, Pac-12 championship. Possibly. And, that's, that's I mean, a- I, I think that's probably in the cards. I don't think they're going to go to the playoff or anything, but I no, do think yeah. they're going to go to the Pac-12 championship. I think that's... I I think they're probably the second-likeliest team to go after Utah. Maybe Oregon, if you want to make that argument. I
0: think Oregon for me.
1: But that, that it's really going to come down to Bo Nix. Like,
0: that's going to be the biggest thing. For those who don't know and you hear it saying, well, how, how the hell are Utah, Oregon? There is no divisions anymore in the Pac-12. It's just the two teams with the best winning records. So you could get two teams from technically the same old conferences to go. I just, I think that they get eight. I I really think there's three losses on here. I think, I think Utah, I would almost lock in Utah and Notre Dame for sure. And then it's can one of those, the UCLA, like I didn't even think you'd go Oregon State. Can a UCLA, Washington State, Fresno, or Oregon State upset them? I think one of those four can probably do it because again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm buying too much into the times that Caleb Williams struggled last year, but like, He had some moments now coming in second year. He knows that system. Maybe he's going to completely put all that behind him. And if he does, then you're going to be right. And they're going to get to nine. It's probably just going to be those two teams that are just overall better teams in Utah, Notre Dame, especially because of the defenses end up beating them before we get out of here. I think we would be remiss if we did not talk a little bit, at least about week zero. Again, you've been covering a lot of the betting side of the stuff. You did your, uh, prize picks five and five uh, for the morning show this morning. You'll be back on tomorrow morning to talk about your Saturday plays. What is one or two games that you're really looking forward to this weekend?
1: I am. I'm excited to watch Northwestern and Nebraska and Ireland, to be honest, actually. I like when they go international and do those sorts of things. Um, I think it's just fun for the sport and to see, see it grow. I'm not sure if you saw this, uh, the post, but new drivers in Ireland, have to have an N on their car for no, like novice, their novice driver. Um, like anything you see like student driver, like new driver in, yeah. in the U S right. The N is red and is the exact same font as the Nebraska N. So there's a ton of awesome. kids driving around apparently from Nebraska. And so that's fun. Um, so I, I mean, I'm excited for a game and it, like I just love the international games. I think it's, it's really neat um, on a, more interesting maybe maybe i don't know no i'm actually really interested to see what the unc offense looks like i know they're playing florida a&m i actually think florida a&m has a couple players that might get drafted this year actually i'm a little bit intrigued by their their team they're a good receiver in a good corner um but i really want to see what drake may looks like at her center Um, uh, i think we'll see both him and Criswell. but I like Drake May a lot. I want to see his confidence. I want to see how he's slinging it. Like it's not a tough tra- matchup, so he should go. He he should have an incredibly efficient and productive game. So I want to see that out of him because I think he's a lot of potential. So I, I, I'm really interested in that one. Um, as like the sicko in me, I really want to see what Nevada or uh, Hawaii Vanderbilt looks like. Um, oh, so do I. Yeah, I'm like really I, Hawaii. I think Hawaii's gonna be really bad this year. Um, they don't return any production so like that's my sicko recommendation to watch i think it's on 10, 10 p.m. it's on the it's on the island yeah
0: yeah 9:30 my time 9:30 p.m. my time So, yeah it's 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 going up late which is i'm hoping we'll be able to wrap up uh, college fantasy tonight fairly quickly cuz i I've obviously been a big fan of Raymond Davis i want to see what he looks like in his first game back hopefully healthy it's ray that's right. It is Ray Davis now. I apologize. Ray it is. is Ray. It is Ray Davis now. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you on obviously North Carolina. One of the other ones, and this is more just because I was very surprised by this announcement. I'm intrigued to see your minors going up against North Texas. I was expecting Grant Gannell to be named the starter. So I'm very interested to see what is it, Austin? Is I don't know how Um, to say his last name. Is it audience? um, I would say A-Yoon. I I have no idea. I'm really bad at pronouncing names for those of you who are new here. So I'm very intrigued to see what he looks like because, obviously, I'm a big fan of Grant Canal. I thought he was going to be the starter. I actually have a friend who has season tickets to UNT. I was already talking with him and his dad about coming to see a game, getting a chance to talk to him, and now he's sitting on the bench. So that's like no fun for me whatsoever. I
1: also thought he would be the starter. And I also, will. spoiler alert, preview that game tomorrow for our morning show. Ooh, well, there we go. A little, little primer there. So
0: I cannot wait for that. I will also throw out really quick, if you guys are paying attention to any of the stuff we're doing, we've got our recruiting summit tomorrow, which I think is going to be a lot of fun, something we've never done before. We're going to talk a lot about this 2023 incoming class. Speaking of which, it's a lot of really good games on this weekend. Allen, Texas, versus St. John Bosco. You got Michael Hawkins, one of the top quarterbacks in the 2024 class, going up against Pierce Clarkson and DeAndre Moore, one of the two, one of the top quarterbacks and wide receivers in the 2023 class. You've got Los Alamitos versus American Heritage. Malachi Nelson, Makai Lemon, going up against Brandon Ennis. Going to be a lot of fun. Make sure to pay attention to everything Campus to Canton is doing. We're not only getting you guys prepared for what's happening Week Zero. And week one, which actually kicks off next Thursday. So we're only a week away from week one kingdom. There's like fifteen games on Thursday. There's some really good ones as well. Like I, I cannot I might just back at, it six Fridays. So backyard Brawl.
1: Up.
0: Hopefully Austin on, uh, Austin's gonna be drunk at this point in time next week on Debbie debates. he's getting excited for for pit uh pit West Virginia. There was another time. I was heard he he's State? actually traveling
1: he, he's uh traveling there to um is he camp out the to night watch. before.
0: To watch Keaton Slovis lose. That sucks. Who, who do you think? Since he's not here, it doesn't matter who do you think wins that game. The the rematch of Keaton Slovis versus JT
1: Daniels. I do think it's going to be uh, Pitt. I, I don't Indeed. think Pitt lost as much as. Um, they probably did. It's not. I don't think they lost as big. They returned five linemen. Um, they 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 bring a pretty good team. Very different offensive identity though.
0: But uh, Penn State Purdue—that's the other one. Like, I think that could be a really interesting game. It's on that Thursday night, so I'm—I'm very—I just can't wait. I can't believe it's here. Yeah,
1: that's Brent's sub three. I mean, is it? I believe it's currently two and a half. Um, unless it's three now. It's three now. Ah, three, three now. So, yeah, that's gonna be an exciting game.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you got. A lot of people went on, on Sean Clifford and what this Penn State offense could be, and then you got Aiden O'Connell coming back off the, the back end of the year that he had. A lot of people believe in the way he, he's getting second-round draft buzz, although I feel like everybody is right now at this point in time, but it's going to be a lot of fun. The season's going to, unfortunately, get here and then be gone before we know, it. but I, I can't wait. It's finally here. We feel like we've been talking about it forever. So, interested to see who May is throwing the ball to. Oh, it's going to be Josh Downs, and then whoever... I don't. I don't mean Josh Downs is probably going to have twenty receptions.
1: Probably, probably. If you if you uh, you read Chris K's Night Slate article that got published today on the website, he talks about how Josh Downs can break the slate. Uh, um, for you DFS players out there, it's uh. He also makes a excellent pun in the beginning of or in the article title actually, but um yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be Josh Downs probably a lot.
0: So I know who my start's going to be then on the tailgate. So moving forward, just so you guys know, because we're about to get out of here. Again, we got our recruiting summit tomorrow night. Make sure to check that out. If you're interested in any high school stuff, make sure to check out the Friday Night Light Show. Matt Powell and David at Big Wide Receiver Guy and at Solving Football helped me put together some of the best highlights from all the high school games. We'll drop that on Friday or very early Saturday morning, depending on what time the games wrap up. Then come join us just this week. At 11 a.m. Eastern, because there's not that many games and it's week zero, we'll only have a one-hour tailgate show this week. Moving forward, it'll go back up to 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll have two hours every single Saturday. And then, of course, every Saturday night throughout the college football season, Soon as the primetime game ends, we will be going live with college fantasy tonight. Thank you, everybody who jumped into our. I know Felix doesn't care, but I still think it's a pretty cool thing that we have done a hundred episodes together. The fact that the we've we've actually you know been willing to sit here and talk to each other for hundred episodes, I think is shocking to say <laughs> the least. So I'm, I'm excited for the next 100, and I'm excited to get Saturday here so we can get some college football. Make sure to swing by on Saturday morning, and we will talk to you guys all again very soon. Side of the field. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25. And Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time. As they defeat Oregon, 42-20. to 20. Here's Tua, stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th
1: overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter of the cut, it! touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. With a second left, Watson
0: hits Renfro and Clemson grabs a 34 31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history.
1: Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's up to the races. Nobody will catch him. 93 yards for the freshman.
0: Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State
1: from 52 yards.